This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Holland Assets Podcast, episode number 125. Today, we're talking about increasing your financial IQ. And by we, I mean Chris, because I am Craig and I'm a financial idiot. But over there on the couch, he's Chris and he is not. We're, we're hopefully going to make you a little bit more savvy when it comes to uh, increasing your financial IQ. There you uh, go. We'll, we'll, Hopefully, you, even you can learn something this <laughs> you know, episode. It, you, part of the, the concept of this show when we first started was, uh, you know, it, it's nice to have a guy like me who knows little to nothing about the subject, who can ask you the stupid questions, because um, a lot of people are going to have those questions, right? And over the years, Chris, uh, unfortunately, I've come <laughs> to learn a lot about the trucking industry, and, and, and I'm, I'm smarter than I'd like to be, is what I'm trying to say. That's not to say I'm actually smart, but smarter than I'd like to be on the subject. Uh, and now I get to step back into my role as the <laughs> idiot asking idiot questions because we're going to talk about finances. Well, I, I think that's a good, uh, that's a really helps me make one of the points I want to make is that this episode is not necessarily for owner operators or business people. It, it is obviously, but the principles that we're going to talk about today are applicable to anybody. So if you're a truck driver, um, you know, the stuff that we're going to talk about today are, are lessons and principles that you can learn and you can apply today in your life and, and, and hopefully make a better situation for you, your family, you know, your loved ones. Well, there you go. And we are going to get to that right after I tell everybody to go to hollandassetsllc.com to check out full show notes and past episodes and leave a comment and all that stuff. You can also leave those comments on Facebook. Uh, we get a lot of great comments on Facebook. I, I really like going in every once in a while and perusing what all you guys have to say. So thank you, everybody who does that. Uh, and also thank you to everybody who goes and rates and reviews the show. We really appreciate that. So whatever platform you use to listen to it, uh, go ahead and give us a glowing five-star review. We much appreciate that. And it really honestly does help out the show. Uh, so if you enjoy what we do, please consider doing that for us. And and if you do do that, which we appreciate, um, give us a, leave some comments too. A lot of those mm. review, like if it's iTunes or something, you can leave some comments, tell us what it is that you like about the the podcast. And it kind of gives us an idea of you know, where to focus our efforts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, Chris, uh, any, any topics we need to get into or any, uh, any, uh, anything you'd like to bring up before we get into the main topic, you know, stories from the road or whatever. Truck number one. Oh, oh is it gone? It's off the road. <gasps> so it's, it's not, not gone, gone yet. We haven't sold it yet, but it is officially off the road. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. That's our first truck and that thing's yeah. your baby. That's our baby. The green giant, the jolly green giant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what, so what we're, was, we're it? Doing was it a, a Kenworth? It's a Kenworth T680. So okay. we're doing a few things to it to kind of get it ready to sell and uh, hopefully have it sold here in the next month or so. Well, okay. Well, that, you know, that could be an episode too. What yeah, to, how well, how to deal with your old trucks and how we'll to talk sell about them. it. Absolutely. Whether okay. it becomes a full episode or not, I don't know, but we'll definitely talk about what happens once we sell it. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's exciting. It's a, a little heartbreaking because I am the nostalgic type, Chris, which is probably the wrong, <laughs> the it's the wrong personality set for a really rigorous uh, business owner. So you're right. nostalgic. Is that like you're a hoarder? You, you're not going to throw things out? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> 
I mean, look around uh, you in this uh, studio. Yeah. This is a. I mean, you're a organized the clean hoarder. It's so yeah. <laughs> I, it's let's just say I have a lot of stuff. I just have things. Uh, okay, Chris. So uh, truck number one is off the road, and uh, we're gonna hear more about that later. But today, financial IQ. Uh, how do you want to start us off with this? What what made you think of this topic? Why did you want to talk about this? Um. You know, finances and, and being financially savvy and smart is something I'm super passionate about. I, I feel like it's one of those things that uh, um, I've, I've gotten fairly good at over the years and just I it's a subject I like talking about it. So I guess since it's my podcast, I get to choose what I like to talk about. <laughs> Do what I want. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to talk about, you know, being financially savvy. And, and one of the cool things about it is, you know, when, when we talk about being financially smart, and, and having a high financial IQ, in, in my opinion, it's not really about intelligence. It, it's it's way more than that. I, I don't think you have to really be the the sharpest tool in the shed to to be financially smart. Oh, and, thank goodness. Yeah, I, I like I, I put myself in that uh, that category. I'm not the the smartest guy in the world, but uh, I, I've gotten pretty good because it, it's it's more about having a plan and being disciplined yeah, than it is about being smart. Isn't that, there are so many examples in life, or I shouldn't say so many, there are some examples in life where you look around and you're like, boy, that person has such a genius for this thing. They're so smart. They're so whatever, uh, that they couldn't help but succeed. But that's 1% of the success stories out there. Uh, the rest of them, it's I had discipline. Yeah. I think that's the perfect word for it. I had commitment to a plan, uh, uh, rigidly maintained my my schedule, my, you know, whatever. And so it's uh, what the, the old saw about, you know, 90% per, uh, perspiration <laughs> and 10% inspiration or yeah, whatever. It, there's a lot of different a analogies of, and things you could say. Like I, I was thinking about how, how do I, you know, talk about this or how do I bring it up and you know, I, I think one of the things that kind of came to mind to me was like when you think of intelligence, like this is not you, you, one of the common sayings you hear all the time. It's not rocket science. And and I think there's a lot of truth to the financial savvy thing. It's you don't have to like there's only so many people in this world. They're going to be rocket scientists because, you know, it, it just takes a very high level of intelligence to be able to do that. And we're just we're not all there. Um, whereas you know, another thing that I think is a little bit more applicable to the, the financial IQ and, and financial smarts, it, it's more like a marathon. Um, in my opinion, just about anybody can run a marathon. You know, it may take you years to get to the point where you can run it, but if you've got a good plan and you're disciplined and you have the desire to run a marathon, I think just about anybody can do it. All right. Well, any, anybody can do it. And we're going to put that to the test today because you're going to try to convince me to be disciplined. Okay. So Chris, uh, as I understand it, a lot of this came about, or uh, I shouldn't say this came about, but one of the influences on you has been a book yep. uh, that's really important. Tell us about the book. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. It's by George S. Um, Klassen. And it, it's actually an older book. It was written, I think, in the really early 1900s. Mm. Um, but it, it, it's a super simple book to read. And it's got a, just a, a fun, entertaining story. And it, it talks about, you know, it kind of takes us back into the days of Babylon. And it talks about uh, a guy that was financially savvy. And one of the things, you know, kind of to go on the same subject we've been talking about, the main character at the beginning of the book, it, it you know, a couple of his childhood friends 
were talking about how like they were just as good as him at sports. They were just as good at him in school and they were just as good at, as him and all these other things. But he, um, in, in their adult life got far ahead of them as far as like uh, the, in the financial world. And, and it's just because he learned to follow these seven principles that, uh, help you kind of create and build wealth. Okay. And, and, and are, are you looking to go through all seven of those? Are you going to give away the book, Chris? I'm not going to go through all seven. I'm <laughs> not going to give away the book. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a handful of them. And then I've also got kind of one principle that's really more my principle, something that I've been thinking about that I think is really important. Okay. Um, as far as, um, you know, gaining financial independence or being financially smart. And before we get into that, if you don't mind me interjecting a little bit, um, like you said, this is for everybody. This isn't just about owning a trucking company, right? So this is generally applicable rules. Um, but one of the takeaways that I've had over the last three years or so, uh, and that I hope a lot of other people have had as well, is that a lot of the principles when it comes to running a trucking company, whether you're a single owner operator or whether you're trying to build a fleet, a lot of the principles that you're going to put into place are things that you can practice wherever you're at in your life. Um, you know, there, yeah, there are going to be specific things like, um, you know, you're, you're talking about how to hire a driver on Facebook or something. Okay, that's a very specific type of uh, a, a task that you need to do. But when it comes to saving your money, uh, when it comes to tracking expenditures, when it comes to, you know, I, I don't know, whatever the case may be, a lot of the principles that you've talked about as far as owning a trucking company are generally applicable uh, or generally practicable elsewhere. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's absolutely fair. And that's really what this and is. And that's what this is about, right? Yeah. I just wanted to give us a little bit of why. Why Why do we care? Why this isn't about owning a trucking company? Well, yeah, it is yeah, <laughs> because it, so much is. Th there's there's principles, that, that the, the things that we're going to talk about today, you can apply in, in a trucking business. You can try apply if you're a truck driver, you, if you're a school teacher, um, if you're a doctor. And, and that's kind of one of the things that I think is really interesting about this is I've seen people in my life that make $50,000 a year that apply these principles and become wealthy. Um, and, and I've also, on the other end of the spectrum, I've seen people like doctors, like doctors are notorious for this. <laughs> they make you know $500,000 a year but end up declaring bankruptcy or, or just can never accumulate wealth because they don't manage their money well. They don't follow these principles. Right. And and so like I truly believe anybody can do this. Um you don't necessarily have to be a business owner to to gain wealth. I just, you know, since we talk so much about business ownership, I think it's one of those vehicles that can get you there faster and a big reason mm. is because as a business owner you have something to invest your money in that you kind of control. And, and so, um, I think it helps you get there faster. Um, but you don't necessarily have to be a business owner to be able to get there. And so we'll talk, uh, we'll talk more about that as we get uh, further on. Okay. All right. Well, let's start in then with the first principle. What's the first one that you want to talk about? So the, the first principle is really the one that's really my principle. It doesn't really talk about this in the book. Um, but, uh, it, it is, you have to believe that you control your own destiny. And, and in all honesty, when I think about this, um, I, you know, going back into the business ownership thing, I don't think you should be a business owner if you don't believe 
this principle. Mm-hmm. If it's uh, if your fate is decided by outside forces, um, and you're you know a victim of circumstance or whatever the case is, then don't even try. Yeah, if, yeah, because if you, you you're not going to put forth the effort to solve problems and to fix things if you don't think what you do will have an impact on that. And and I see that all the time. Like it's you you can't be a victim of circumstances. You have to you know the way that I look at it is when a, a problem like that arises, especially when it's something outside of your control, a, a good business owner is going to view that as a detour and not a roadblock that they can't mm. push through. So what what you're saying is it's not that there aren't circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that uh, you you work with them or against them, but you're not letting them steamroll you. I exactly. mean, we talk about fuel prices all the time. That would be a great, yep. a relatable one for uh, the trucking industry. Yeah, fuel prices, you have no control over fuel prices. Sorry to tell you this, but um, but that doesn't mean that you uh, now don't have any control over your destiny, right? Yeah, exactly. And and so like talking about the roadblock versus a detour, I mean, you, you think about it. If, if, if a problem that's out of your control arises, are you the kind of person that like comes up against that roadblock and just decides, oh, there's nothing I can do about it. This is outside of my control. Or are you the kind of person that says, okay, I'm going to find a detour around this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have a problem in front of me and I'm going to figure out a way to solve it. Mm. And and it's those guys that, that do that and that believe that, that are ultimately successful. And like, I, I look at my circumstances and like, I don't care what the conditions of the economy are. I don't care what the political situation is there are people being successful in this industry under all of those circumstances. And my belief is, is if they can do it, I can do it. Mm. And, and so like, that's why I believe like I control my own destiny. And even when things outside of my control happen that suck, I can find a way to manage that. Absolutely. Here, here. All right, Chris, do you want to, anything else on that one or do you want to move on yeah, to the next one? No, that's it. Let's number number two then. So number two, we're kind of starting to get a little bit more into the book now. And, and, and this is, I think his really his first principle that he talks about and it's, it's increase your income. And, and that sounds like <laughs> that's duh, a circular right? logic. If you want to increase your income, you should increase, increase your, your income. income. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what does he mean by that? So, you know, essentially to work hard and to increase and, and slash make an income. And so, you know, when I, I kind of relate this to trucking, it's, you've got to keep your wheels moving. And I think that's the, the number one most important thing, like, cause I've seen, you know, like the, I'll take, for example, I've seen an owner operator that has been able to be successful working hundred percent on the spot market, which aren't the best paying loads or not mm. the best circumstances. But if you can keep that, the tires going and you can keep the truck moving and, and, and you work hard, you can even be successful in less than ideal circumstances. And so to me, that's the most important thing. Then, you know, once you kind of get in that habit and you do that, then you try to do things to make you more effective, like direct shipper lanes like right, we talk right. about. But yeah, but if we want to blow this out and, and make it general, then what you're saying is that this is, as you say in the book, this is kind of the first thing he brings up, it sounds like. So this is our core principle increase your income, keep working hard. Um, you know, uh, next month or next year, you should make more than you did this year. Yeah. That that's your core goal. And then there's stuff that we can do around the edges and we'll talk about more things. Right. Yeah. And then, and then to kind of go along with that, not just increase your income, but then, you know, the, the principle is, is that you, um, you pay yourself first and, and you hear this 
from lots of successful people that say it one way or another, but it's essentially, he says at a minimum, you should take 10% of what you make and you set it aside for yourself, not to spend on yourself, but that, that 10% becomes your, your money that you can work with. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more about that again, as we get a little bit further along. You're paying a future version of yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. I mean, it's that kind of whole adage that it, it takes money to make money. I mean, that that's what your money you're going to use to make more money later on down the road. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, number three, then, Chris, what do you got? Number three is manager expenses, and and this is again another one of those things that's you know important. Um, and and you know if you look at it on the personal side, it's it's like living within a budget. And you hear people all the time that complain about budgets, right? It's it. I don't want to follow these rules. It restricts me. And <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and yeah, it, in some ways it does. In some ways it, it, it kind of sucks. But I think what happens, I, I see this happen in my life. Like, I, I don't think this, this happens to everybody, but when you don't live within a budget, you end up spending money on things that are really not meaningful to you at all. Mm. And so in, in my opinion, what a budget does it is it helps you focus your spending habits on the things that are really truly important to you. So you don't squander your money away on something that's really ultimately meaningless. So you're not giving up one of, you know, something that's truly meaningful to you for something that's really not. Um, and I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to think of what a good example of that would be. Like uh, I mean, I have candy one. Candy bars. From, <laughs> well, uh, so someone I know, <laughs> let's just put it that way spent an exorbitant and i do mean exorbitant amount of money on a very trendy coat okay is it you know you, you've seen uh chris i'm sure you're all over tiktok oh what is it tick what tick tick what now <laughs> <laughs> they've got a sad for that um it, you know it's it, one of those things really trendy on social media everybody's getting this type of thing and it's uh, so glamorous and you see the the influencers wearing them out on the streets of new york or whatever and so this person was like, I've, I've got to have it. Uh, that just, I, it would bring me so much joy. Spent $700 on a coat. Seven. Wow. $100 on a and coat. it's not like a ski coat or anything? Nope, nope, nope. It's, uh, it's what's called a quilt coat. So it, it looks like a, yeah, your grandma's bread, bedspread, right? It's a quilt coat. Wow. Uh, and got it and didn't care for it. You know, it just wasn't like... Uh, you know, I, I can't quite find situations to wear it in. And when I do, it just, it doesn't seem to fit quite right. And, uh, uh, and so it sat in the closet for two years, Wow. never got worn and just got given away to somebody else. Cause, uh, cause they couldn't find somebody to buy it because the trend is over it didn't last. and it, yeah, the trend didn't last. And so now you're saddled with this $700 coat that you can't offload. And so one of her other friends was like, oh yeah, I remember that. I, I would love one of those. And so she just gave it away, gave it away. And, and that's yeah. like a, a great example because when you budget, you, you, you kind of become more deliberate uh, about what you spend your money on mm-hmm. and, and you, you say, okay, is that coat really truly important to me? You know, right. And and if it is okay, spend the money on it. But you know, it may not be, and it may be more important to spend it on. You know, I, I want to be able to go on this vacation, and so it. it to me, a budget just really kind of helps you channel and focus um, your expenses, yeah. so that you're you're spending money on what's truly important, 
And, and that number one important thing should be that 10% minimum that you set aside for yourself. There you go. Uh, any, any other ways that you want to kind of tie that into trucking or, or just general yeah, well, interest? I, so what I do, and we may go into a bit of a rabbit hole on this one. It, it may be <laughs> a, a kind of a deep dive. Us? Into, you? Me? Yeah, rabbit yeah. hole? We'll talk about it. What? Yeah. Uh, we've never done that before. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about personal income, like kind of how an owner operator pays themselves. Okay. And we've touched on this subject a little bit in the past, but uh, I want to maybe take it a little bit deeper. And I think this comes about because a lot of the times business owners, and this isn't specific to the trucking industry, this is business owners all across the board. um, They have a a tendency to misunderstand um, their compensation. And I think owner operator is a perfect word for this because if you think about it, an owner operator, they're an owner and they're also an operator. There's kind of those two segments and that's really how your pay, your compensation as an owner operator should be treated. Um, you as an owner operator should get paid a salary for what you do and then you get a return on what you own. So the, mm. you, you get an operator compensation, which is your salary and your pay and you get a return, which is compensation for what you own as a business owner. And, and oftentimes people don't make that distinction between the two of them and it gets them into a lot of trouble. Um, so you, you take, for example, uh, and I've said this before, we've talked about this a lot as an owner operator, especially as a new owner operator, how much do you pay yourself? What, what's my recommendation? Uh, same rate that you were, what you were making at your last job, yep. right? Essentially the same, the same market rate of a driver. Like, yeah. Right. So that's what you should be paying yourself. Because ultimately, as an owner-operator, that's what you do. And there may be other things that you do that you can kind of, you know, if there's money in the business to do this, you only do it if there's money in the business to do it. But you can pay yourself for some other things that you do. Like if you do all the accounting, you can bump that up just a little bit because you're doing Mm. something. Um, You can pay yourself if you do all the dispatching because you're doing something. But if you're paying somebody else to do your dispatching for you, if you're paying somebody else to do the accounting for you, you don't have money in the business to also pay yourself for those things. If, if you're pretty much just driving and you're having somebody else do about everything else for you, then you should only pay yourself as a driver. Mm. Okay. I, I think this is a really, this might be the key core concept, whatever we want to call it, it um, yeah. as far as owner operators go uh, from this episode. And in fact, I think you've talked about this before, but uh, let's, let's break the fourth wall here, pull back the curtain. And I just want to tell people, you thought this was so important that you printed out a whole sheet of paper with one line of text. And that text says, yeah, yeah there you go. What, what does it say? Chris? It says, yeah, they can't read that. It's too it small. says, you get paid a salary for what you do and you get a return on what you own. And, as and that's, a, I'm just saying, you, it's so important. You yeah. printed it out and uh, now I, I think you're going to leave that here so I can frame it and put it on the wall, right? And that's <laughs> yeah, such sure. an important concept. It, it is. It really, like, it seems like it's kind of trivial, but it's not because it, it, it's, it's an important principle um, that you, you've really kind of got to get the concept of. Um, because one of the things that I see happen, in this, and, and it's because people are breaking this principle, um, when, when a brand new owner operator comes on board and, and starts their own company, I think it's fair to say like as an owner operator, 
all of a sudden you can go from whatever you were getting paid before to seeing, and this isn't your income, but you Mm. see twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month coming into your new business business bank account, and you're like, "Holy crap!" I've most people have never seen that kind of money flow, and and it seems like a whole lot of money. But it's not like as an owner operator, even with that kind of money coming in, you can't go and pay yourself like a, like you're the CEO because because <laughs> really at this point, you're not you're a one truck organization, right? There's not the money to pay yourself a, a crazy CEO. I cannot tell you. We've talked about this before. I cannot tell you how many times I see a brand new owner operator pull up to our office. You know, they've been doing this for a month and all of a sudden they have bought their dream pickup truck. Right. And it's like a $80,000 pickup truck. <laughs> Don't do that. Like that you're breaking that principle of, um, you know, you pay yourself for what you do. You get a return for what you you own. Eventually. In that first Eventually, year, yeah, in that first year, what you own or what the, that return is not going to be very big. Eventually it will be. But if, if you're, if your ambition is to be an owner operator and that's what you want to be, you're, you're probably never going to be able to pay yourself as the, as the CEO. You're going to be able to make more money than you could as an owner, as a, as a driver and, and you'll make a, a respectable wage, but you're not going to be able to pay yourself as a CEO of a 20 truck fleet. Hmm. Like if you want to get to that kind of compensation level, you've got to build an organization that can support that. Well, and that's actually an interesting point because you're talking about this on the personal level. You're talking about, uh, you know, don't pay yourself as a person more than what you're doing for more than what you're doing. But the same goes for the business as well. Uh, People can get all sorts of weird ideas about, well, you know, Hey, if I, (laughs) if I've, buy this thing, it'll be a tax write-off. And, and you know, well, it's, it's just in, investing in the business, right? And so, yes, sure, I'll get the Christmas lights for my truck uh, or, you know, whatever sweet new uh, accessory that they don't actually need because um, they, they think, oh, yeah, look at how much money is coming into the business. I'll just uh, kind of splurge on the business. See, I'm being wise. It's for the business, Yeah. right? And, and, and that kind of is a good transition into our next kind of mistake or thing that I see a lot of people do when it comes to mismanaging their expenses is you hear, you know, one of the benefits of business ownership is tax, tax write-offs. write-offs. Yeah. yeah. And, and some people, way too many people take that to an extreme. They, um, in, in, in order to avoid paying taxes, they take on expenses that they don't need to take on. They shouldn't take on. So what you should never really do is sacrifice profitability in order to avoid paying taxes. Um, there's benefits to being profitable. I mean, if, if you're making money, you're going to have to end up paying taxes. That's just kind of the way the system works. And so I see too many people that are so, against paying taxes or so afraid to pay taxes that they make bad business decisions and take on bad expenses just to avoid taxes. You should mm. just, you shouldn't do that. Okay. Never do that. All right. Uh, any other tidbits from this principle before we move on to one of our, I think we have two more after this, just, right? Just thinking of, of your top three expenses in trucking, um, fuel, fuel and payroll uh, are uh, about the, the two they're, they're usually kind of neck and neck. They're very close to each other. And then, especially if you're an owner operator with, with older equipment repairs and maintenance. And, mm. and, and even if with newer equipment, that's probably going to be your, 
next biggest expense or at least very close to it. So driver pay is a little harder to control. The market really dictates that to a vast expense or extent and it's kind of hard to, you got to pay drivers. You don't want to undercut them. You got to pay them what they're worth or you're just going to go through bad drivers. Um, but, but fuel is definitely something, even as a, as a single owner operator, you can be very conscious of where you're fueling. Um, you can, you can find good fuel programs that you can, um, get on and, and there's things that you can do to save. You can, there's things you can do to your truck to make it more aerodynamic, to make it more efficient. How you drive that truck is going to manage, help manage your fuel expenses. So there's a lot of things you can do there. There's things you can do in repairs and maintenance. So, you know, just be cognizant of that and, um, you know, manage those expenses to the best you can. Ben Franklin, what's one of his famous sayings? Um, ouch, that lightning really hurt. Well, yeah, that might be one of them. Yeah, he, he did do that. <laughs> Which one? Um, oh, the penny saved? The penny saved is a penny earned. You, you, and that's one of the things that, and I think we talked about this too in the podcast early on, but for every dollar that you save an expense is a dollar that hits your net income. But right. it's not the same with every dollar that you gain in revenue there's expenses that's tied to that dollar in revenue. So a dollar in revenue doesn't equal another dollar in net income, but a dollar in expense that you save does translate directly to another dollar in your net income, what you get to take home and buy your fun things with. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris, principle number four then, if we're moving on. All right. And so this is one where I think being having business ownership really kind of helps a little bit. It, you, you don't necessarily have to have business, business ownership to be able to do this. You don't, but it, it helps if you do. Um, and that's reinvesting your earnings. And so that we talked about, you know, the, that first principle of part of it is to save your 10% that you kind of pay yourself with first. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you want to use that 10% that you save and reinvest it into other things that you understand or, you know, at least have a basic understanding of so that you can, you know, have that make more money. It's, it's kind of like, I I was thinking another analogy of how you save, do this, but when you reinvest money into a good investment, it's like rabbits, you know, what are rabbits known for? Being cute and fuzzy. Uh, and what else? <laughs> they kind of reproduce, yeah, right? Yeah. Prolifically. And and money can do the same thing. Like it, you know, you put a dollar into an investment and that investment's going to eventually produce another dollar. And if you leave those $2 into that investment, even right, more like- quickly, it's going to produce another dollar. And you just keep doing that. And, and this, that's the beauty of time value of money is, it's going to grow and it's going to make you more wealthy. And so <laughs> the two most, uh, two most powerful words in the English language, right? What's that? Compound interest. Compound interest. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Warren Buffett, I, he's one of my like guys that I like to follow quite a bit. His, mm-hmm. I think it was one of his biographies or a book that he wrote or something. I can't remember what, but it talked about how, when he was a, you know, married to his wife and this is probably not the best marriage advice, <laughs> Um, but he would From like, Warren anytime Buffett. his wife wanted to go like spend $500 on something, he'd like calculate in his head, you know, if we invest this $500 instead of going and spending it in 10 years, <laughs> it'd be worth this much money. And like <laughs> that, you, you, you could take it too far. You can take it too far, but <laughs> you should. I mean, that's, 
that's one thing that you should always kind of consider is, you know, if I'm spending this money, would it be better off reinvesting? And, and in all honesty, like I look back at my life and that's one of the things that's made a big impact and a big difference for me financially compared to some of my peers that I've, I've lived with is that I made a lot of sacrifices early on and reinvested money, whether it was in some of my real estate or stocks or businesses and, you know, that was hard to do at the beginning because I was sacrificing, not getting some of the things that people around me were getting. And, and now because I've done that, I can go get things that those people now would never dream of ever being able to do. And it's because I was disciplined with that money and reinvested money early on. And the sooner you can start doing that in your life, the more of a runway that you've got and the the more that's going to grow and, and be bigger and, and better. But it, with that being said, it's never too late. To right. Yeah. It's the, the old saw about uh, the best time to invest was 10 years ago and the second best time is now. Yep. Right. Uh, and, sorry, go on. And I was just going to say like the other side of that coin is if, if, if you spend money on things like certain things can like consume money. Like I, I think about my teenage son, have you ever, you don't have any teenage kids. No, but, yet, but I was you've seen one. seen some, right? I was one once. Teenage boys, like they consume <laughs> food like, like there's nothing else in the world. Like it's just, it, they eat copious amounts of food. Hey, Chris, if, if we have time at the end of this episode, I will tell you the story, uh, the French toast story. Oh, okay. Sweet. Maybe we'll do we'll post yeah. post credits story. Sweet. All right. Good. We need one of those. It's been a while. <laughs> so like my son just like, you've got this teenage boy that just all he does is eat. He, he's growing, he's six, four skinny, mm-hmm. but like it takes a lot of food to kind of keep that <laughs> uh, energy level up and that boy growing. And so it, it, it's gone. And, and, and certain things that you spend money on can be the same way. You know, you, you think about that fancy pickup truck. It's got a huge car payment, consuming money. It, it probably doesn't get the greatest fuel economy. Oh, you get out of here. Consuming money. <laughs> the insurance on it See probably that? is pretty expensive, consuming money. Um, it just it just consumes, 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 and, and really, in the long run, gives nothing back. And so that's one thing that you have to be careful with is when you're making those decisions of what you do with your money, avoid the consumption-type areas where you can put your money and, and focus, you know, try to put as much money as you can into, you know, things that are going to eventually get you a return like real estate or like stocks. And, and when I say stocks, like you're not talking about a 401k, you're <laughs> maybe getting into uh Oh, I don't know about day trading, but, but more specific, it's, it's not day trading. A 401k is usually a, a more safe investment, but right? Like for me, and this is again, kind of going from Warren Buffett's recommendations an S&P 500 index fund mm-hmm. is a perfect example. It's just a, a fund that you can put your money into that doesn't really have many fees at all with it. And all it does is it mirrors the S&P 500. And over time, that's proven to be a really, really good investment. Well, there you go. Well, what about, uh, so we've talked about on the personal side and what you can do uh, thinking about money and reinvesting, but what about a business? If you're an owner operator, you want to grow, you want to uh, grow into a fleet. What are some specific things that you can do as far as reinvesting? Off the top of my head, I'm thinking of things like, you know, hey, can if you're starting to make some money, could you invest in, 
I don't know, uh, if you've been doing your own dispatching, maybe you hire a dispatcher yep. who can free up some of your time to then look into other areas of the business, something like that. What, Absolutely. what would you do? So that that's, that's a good, really good one. You invest in people and those people will be able to do, you know, help you do more with your business. Um, you, you invest in equipment. So, you know, buying an, an additional truck or trailer or something like that. And if you're getting bigger, you may want to start considering, I mean, this is something we will eventually do. We're not there yet, but buying our own building mm. where we can maybe have our own shop and invest in a shop so that we can do some of our own preventive maintenance and minor repairs and things like that. And so those are all ways that you can invest your money and, and over time get a really good return on and, and make more money. That'd be pretty cool. What, what's your truck number for that, Chris? How many do you want to get to before I, you have your own shop? I think we'll probably be somewhere around 20. Okay. Maybe 20 to 30. Right on. I think somewhere in that realm, we'll probably buy our own land and build a building and or buy a building and have our own little shop. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, all right. We have one more to get through. Any other notes on that topic before we move to the last point? I don't think so. Okay. All right. So principle number five, Chris. And, and this is... This is a principle that does come out of the richest man in Babylon, but it's also a principle that I learned. I think it was from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, another mm. financial book that I've I've read over the years. Classic. And it is a classic. And it kind of opened my eyes to, do you treat your home as an investment? And um, I would say no. A home is not necessarily, it's not an investment. Right. Like even when you talk about buying real estate, you're not talking about the home you live in. Yeah. Be, because you think about it when you buy your own home for most people, when is that home going to give you a return when you sell it? And when and, you and, sell it, what do you typically do? <laughs> you're buying another house. You're buying it. You're throwing that money right. right into another house. And so you're really never like, it's never producing an income for you. True. Whereas you, when you buy a rental property, you've got rental income that comes in that covers the mortgage that covers the utilities that covers everything and and probably even gives you some money back and so it it it's kind of it's self-sustaining right it's it's make it it's at least covering its own expenses hopefully bringing you a little bit more money in that and then it's also appreciating in value whereas your home it does appreciate in value but you're still paying that mortgage mm. it's consuming your money like a home that you live in is still consuming money. Oh, so, so much, Chris. It is. Yeah. The repairs, the utilities, the mortgage, it, it consumes. And so it's really not an investment. And in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's more of a liability than it is an asset. Mm. And so. So what, what, what's the point then? The it's, point is, is like, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discourage people from home, home ownership. I think that is a good thing to do and, and it is important. But one, be conservative in the home that you purchase. And two, um, in, in my opinion, if you're looking at your situation, you're like, I, I, I can either rent and buy a business or I can own a home and have to work for somebody. I would put the money into a business. Mm. Like it, that business is more important than home ownership. So because the business is a revenue stream and the mm -hmm. home is a revenue pit. It is. Right? Yeah. Okay. If you can do both, do both. If you can only do one, I would invest in a business before I would invest in a home. Okay. Wow. Hot take from Chris. My word. All right. We're ending on a strong note. Any other notes on that one? 
Um, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Well, Chris, I'm going to go through these again, just, uh, for review, believe that you control your own destiny. That's a Chrisism. Mm-hmm. We're going to just roll with it. Okay. I'm making up words here. <laughs> Increase your income, manage your expenses, reinvest your earnings, and then, uh, don't view your home as an investment. Yep. You can still view it as a home though. Okay. I'm sure everybody's homes are lovely. So, uh, so that's all great. Okay. Chris five principles for uh what what did we title this increasing our financial iq yep okay so i i hope everybody takes this and and runs with it even if it's um it, this is one of those great episodes where there are five different principles that you gave us and it's not that people need to wake up tomorrow and be perfect at all five of these but hopefully you find one or two of these that you can wake up tomorrow and do a little better at uh, and then come back and revisit this episode when you feel like you've mastered some of that stuff. You come back to this and and uh, try some of the other uh, the other ones that you didn't quite get to. Uh, does that make sense? Like we don't want to bite off more than we can chew. We just want to be better tomorrow than we were today. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So impact tip. Oh. Oh. Okay. Go read a book that will help you increase your financial IQ. So whether that's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like I mentioned, or... Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest Man in Babylon. The Richest Man in Babylon is a really easy book to read It's or listen to. It, it's like, I think, four hours on Audible. It's not a very long book. So that's a that's a really good one to start with. And it's yeah. got really good principles. So whether that's that book or some other book I haven't talked about, go read something that will increase your financial IQ. You know, I think I just might, Chris. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and, uh, and for subscribing because I'm sure you have. I'm sure we're the first thing on your podcast feed every other week, every other Wednesday. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, do me a favor. And if you if you really do enjoy what we do, yes, all the stuff I said at the beginning as far as reviews and whatnot, but just mention the podcast to somebody, uh, somebody else that you work with, uh, that you see on a regular basis who could benefit from uh, this journey that Chris has gone on and that so many of our listeners have gone on share the show. We really appreciate it. That's the best way the really kind of the only way for us to grow is your help. So, uh, let's see. Other than that, hollandassetsllc.com, motorcarrierhq.com, et cetera, et cetera. Chris, I got a story to tell you, so we should cut and run. All right. We'll see it. We'll see you next time. For those that don't want to listen to the French <laughs> toast story, I don't know why you wouldn't want to, but that's a, exactly. That's a great question. We'll Why wouldn't you? We'll see all you and then everybody else is sticking around. <laughs> Let's right. hear it. All right. See you next time, Chris. All right. I'm ready. I want to hear the story. <sighs> all right. Cast your mind back. The year is 2002. Uh, I was in high school. Okay. So this give people an idea of how old I am. <laughs> I was, I was in marching band because I was a cool kid. Um, yeah, you, yeah. you know how it is. I, I and I'm just going to try to set the picture before I actually get to the Were French toast. The flute? No, Chris, I was a trombonist. Okay. Uh, I played the trombone in the largest marching band in the state. In fact, it was one of the largest marching bands in the country as far as high school marching bands. We, we marched 292 kids wow. that year. Um, and so band camp, which is, you know, it's a, there are lots of memes about band camp, but it's a real thing. You go to band camp, you practice your show, whatever. So we're at band camp. Uh, it's the middle of July. It's hotter than the blazes. It's hot. It's central Utah. So yikes. Um, 
and we're working our butts off. And so, and I, you know, I'm a 16, 17 year old kid, something like that. And so much like your son, I've got quite the metabolism at this point, <laughs> no longer, unfortunately, <laughs> but, uh, but I could eat like crazy. And with so many kids, the operation to feed us three meals a day was impressive. Okay. So there was an abundance of food. One day we come in for lunch and uh, it was French toast for lunch. Delicious. Yeah. yeah uh, figure that one out. I'm not sure. Whatever. So it's you French. can have French toast, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I don't care. <laughs> but, it was, but it was, uh, was the Texas toast, right? The thick cut. Yeah. And, uh, and so one of the dads, one of the marching band dads who was helping out with dinners or lunches, whatever, he's cooking up French toast. And I come along in the line and he says, how many do you want? I said, four. And he looks at me like, oh, geez, you know, freaking kids, <laughs> bottomless pit mm -hmm. of eating, right? I, yeah, give me four. And, and I'll he, be back for seconds. <laughs> exactly. He says, really? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm going to want four more after this. And I think there were only like 14 slices in the, in the thing, right? But he takes the loaf because he was breaking open a new loaf and he sets it aside. And he says, okay, we'll, we'll take it from this one when you come back. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. I came back for another four slices. I ate an entire loaf of French toast in one hour and then went Did and- Did you hold it down? Out <laughs> March. It gets better, Chris. This is where, uh, this is the story you don't want everybody in the world to hear, but now they all will. Chris, I didn't poop for a week. <laughs> <laughs> not not one single time and i'm tempted I, I was tempted at the time to be like oh man it's because i'm sick it's because i ate a whole a whole loaf of french toast no it's because it's it, it was 105 degrees outside and we're marching our butts off and i was and using every every, every last of bit that. wow <laughs> now that being said when i got home on saturday morning I took the biggest dump of my life, <laughs> but I made it. Dump on the air. Yeah, sorry about that. You know, you've said worse. I have said worse. You've, I've got. We've got some really good friends that were were telling a story the other day of their. Uh, uh, let's see, she's six or seven year old daughter, cute as can be, mm -hmm. that was uh, talking about taking a dump <laughs> and, <laughs> and to hear that you, come out of her mouth you look at her funny. dad yeah. and you're like well, so where'd she learn yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right chris let's go I'll, I'll talk to you next time all right see you Craig.